You're listening to And hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Good Pop Culture Club. This is episode 79 for Thursday, October the 28th, 2021. It is effectively spooky week. Happy spooky week to everyone. Hope you're having a safe and um, I guess, you know, socially responsible and healthy Halloween this weekend. Um, joining me to talk about all the spooky pop that gets through our days, we have self-proclaimed professional Asian American Jess Jew. Hey Jess. Hi, what's up? No, I'm I'm not a professional Asian American right now. I am now a self-proclaimed professional Christmas movie vacation planner. <laughs> wait, 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 no, uh, you can't. It's, you're not allowed to do anything Christmas until after October. I'm not a Halloween, Halloween person. So I'm just going to jump straight in. You know, we've already started getting Hallmark Christmas mm-hmm. movies. So I and, yeah. and Filipinos, Filipino people say that the Christmas starts in the R months. So, you know, September, October, November. So I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go with that. I'm just, why don't we remember about Turkey Day? Turkey Day deserves some love too. Oh, yeah. Turkey Day. Um, so, like, my family works, and honestly, I'm tired of cooking, so screw that, too. No, we're going straight to Christmas. It's <laughs> the so supply chain. We have to start early You're this year. pumpkin spice season, going straight to peppermint season. No, no, no. I'm going to keep pumpkin spice because I hate peppermint. It's like eating toothpaste. <laughs> I play by my own rules, Marvin. All so, right. there. All right, all right. Also joining us, professional culture editor, Han Wynn. Hey, Han. Hey, Squid Game it up, people. That's, that's, <laughs> is is that's that Halloween. your spooky week uh, plan to just... No, this is the genius of Squid Game. Is just you can just be lazy and La- wear tracksuits all day. Yeah, or say, like a yeah. jumpsuit, mask. You don't need to have mm-hmm. makeup done. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have... This was my twist on it was, you know, like the the red light, green light doll. So I actually have an orange... Um, overall jumpsuit kind of and then a yellow shirt so i was like oh i can just wear that not it's not a dress but it's still very similar um and that's super comfy too like it's all elastic you should wear it backwards (laughs) turn like instead of turning my head around yeah and then you're saying you're all moving i just need to learn how to roll my eyes independently of each other (laughs) i believe in you i think you can do it i think i really think you could watch i'm gonna end up in the hospital Like the good pop culture club does not endorse um, eye spasming for fun. We we need that label that's like oh only d- done by professionals. Please do not attempt. <laughs> only done by professionals and robots and robots. Yes. Mm. All right. Well, since it's the end of the month, it's time once again for our monthly Asian American entertainment news roundup. Do we want this? But before we get to that, let's find out what pop culture has been getting us through the week. Um, let's start with Jess. What's popping? Okay, I know I'm a million years late, but I started and basically binged all of the existing episodes of Insecure in preparation for the premiere of the final season, which everyone in my orbit seems to be talking about. Mm. I know it's a good show. I've known it's a good show. I just never really got around to it. And a part of me is grateful because let me tell you, binging it in like quick succession is extremely satisfying. What a great show. What a great LA-based show. A lot of love to LA. What a great show about um, navigating life in your 20s, late 20s, in that weird like liminal transition, transitional space where you feel like you should have everything much more together, but you're all kind of just like hot messes making dumbass decisions. But the, the secret to this show really is that everyone's so fucking hot. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's like really upsetting. I'm just like... This is the world I want to live in, um, you know, which is great. It's true to life, but it's heightened. Like, I have a bunch of friends from college I'm still close with, and you kind of bring that drama, and there's always, like, dating and jobs and spouses. I will say the job part with the nonprofit work is a little, mm-hmm. it's close to home. It's a little too close to home, Marvin. You will really love that part or hate it, depending on how traumatized you feel. <laughs> what was like a PTSD what, response. What was the name of her original... We got y'all. We got y'all. We got (laughs) y'all, which was started by a defensive white woman who gets very, uh, yes, defensive and offended when you call out some racist principles or practices they do. It's just so funny. It's such a, 
I think, I mean, Issa Rae has really gone on record and she's always talked about how she's written specifically like a very black show, mm-hmm. right? It's for us, by us, not us, us, but you know, <laughs> um, obviously I'm not included in that us, but it that specificity is just so universal i think for a lot of folks of color who work in these spaces and it's such a show that speaks to it's so specific so there's Mm -hmm. usually a point in a show where i can articulate where it's got me Mm -hmm. um in good place it was that first screen where we get all the counterpoint counting points of the value points of like good deeds and bad deeds and there's like like dozens of different things as a throwaway joke i was like okay this show has got me this Mm. show there's a point where they're all hanging out and they're talking about like dating and um you know how men you know one of their friends is saying like oh you need a man let men be masculine and women be feminine and i think the throw it's a throwaway joke they're like i'm gonna call bell hooks on you (laughs) and i was like that i was like you got me like this is such a specific world that she's created that is probably truer to my friend group and lived experience than any other show that has dealt with living loving and kind of figuring shit out as a millennial mm-hmm. so love it also the whole discourse around insecure is always fun the most popular topic is which man is the most trash <laughs> twist except for andrew of yeah, asian bay and like they're all kind of trash. All the men they date on the show are kind of trash, but that's part of the messy fun. Also, they're all really hot. But man, Lawrence is fucking messy. Mm-hmm. That's her like OG boyfriend Marvin. That she they keep going back and forth, and I'm just like, yeah, no, this is extremely accurate, really funny. Uh, like just when they talk about singular perspective or like voice, unique voice, like this show has everything, and it is really really funny. So what? recommend and then you can engage on the uh the uh the discourse around which man is the trap most <laughs> trash there apparently is a vulture article where hunter harris who i love of mm-hmm. has ranked every single man that has <laughs> appeared in um has appeared in the show so definitely would recommend that if you have caught up to the show it's yeah. amazing yeah i mean it's a show that i've always it's on my two watch list. I, I recently finally watched um starstruck so and I'm slowly mm-hmm. making my way through the uh, HBO Max uh, catalog. Um, but yeah, I've heard a lot of great things about her. A lot. Not even not only that it's a great story, but it's also it's made real well. Like the way it's shot, the way it's like, oh, produced. Oh, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Just very beautifully shot. And they, you know, Melinda Masokis got her start here. She did Queen and Slim. There's been a lot of coverage over the last few seasons about like very specifically how they light this show for Dark Skin. And it's beautiful. Mm. And again, I think if you are a LA local, like it's a very, I think a lot of shows like to shit on LA or don't want to be in LA mm. or they want to, you know, set things in New York or somewhere like more. This show is like very like lovingly in tribute to LA. They go to a lot of places that my friends and I go. I think in the first episode, Molly and Issa are having brunch at the Line Hotel. And I'm like, <laughs> I have been to that greenhouse restaurant. Amazing. So would recommend please join the trash man discourse you also see a lot of good butts in this there's a lot of fucking in this show um <laughs> everything which, just who loves well it's also which cut honestly made me kind of sad because you know my boyfriend is long distance and i'm like huh <laughs> that looks nice <laughs> nothing wrong with that that's what they're there for yeah i like, know just remember why, you chose yeah. this life Yes. I know, I know. But well, yes, it's good. Yeah. But this show also, like, the the hot messes that Issa goes through, character Issa goes through with all, like, the trash men she dates and all the trash men Molly ends up dating. Um, I'm also just like, oh, thank God I'm not single. I, I do talk, I did talk, I was tweeting yeah. my single friends, I was watching this, and they're like, yeah, everything they say about LA men is 100% true still. And I'm like, yeah, I remember. I'm not going back there. Good, it's tough. Good luck, y'all. It's very tough. Awesome. But that's also why we like the show. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what's popping with you, Han? Uh, another HBO show. It's not new, but it had come back for its second season, uh, third season, sorry. Uh, Succession. Uh, cue the piano music, <laughs> dramatic piano music right now. Um, yeah, talking about trash men. Oh, 
<laughs> trash everybody, man. Uh, just very enjoyable because if you're not aware, it is a very uh, Machiavellian family that is akin to the um, Murdochs. They have their own sort of media empire that's Fox News-esque. Um, the, there are three guy, adult men and a, an adult daughter, and they're all sort of trying to get to daddy and get his, uh, his, be his successor, basically, hence succession. Um, and the thing is, they're all horrible to each other. They do very horrible things. Um, but they also have like the most colorful, quotable language. Uh, and um, clearly, also, we are a fan of Tom Wamsgans, who is Mr. Darcy, who is Matthew McFadden, um, and his uh, uh, fall boy, uh, Greg, who is a very, very tall, awkward guy, um, who is adorable. Uh, just everything about it. So season three is basically um, in the wake of uh, they were trying to make um, the old the oldest well the second oldest son be you know take the fall for some crimes that the company had done that included uh um what exploiting foreign workers, workers yeah explo- um, exploiting sex trafficking sex traffic just yeah. a lot of like serious stuff including maybe covering up some deaths or something um anyway so he was supposed to take the fall and um and go to a press conference and sort of like basically say that except he instead threw his dad under a bus. And so this season is all about like the sort of PR nightmare and the the son Kendall sort of trying to, you know, create a cabal against his dad and um and try to get like his his siblings on his side. But the siblings just, you know, they don't trust each other. <laughs> so uh it's it's fantastic. It just makes me laugh my ass off. I usually don't like watching privileged people. But there is that satisfaction of knowing that each of them are going to be horrible to each other. Um. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Succession is probably one of my favorite shows right now. It's, it's a really well-made show. It's really well, well-written. And, and it's acted. not, But not in like that like Aaron Sorkin type of way where everyone kind of talks like they're smart. Because right. a lot of the show is just like siblings being awkward with each other. Yeah, the, the 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 types of lines that are great are not verbose uh, Sorkin esque things, but they uh, tend to be kind of like very colorful insults, um, and sometimes very like June uh, like grade school type insults that with a little bit of cussing in it. It's so like specific to like that family that they're smart enough to talk about certain things, but then they like are still you know like children to each other so um it's yeah. it's fantastic yeah i Highly love this quotable. show a lot but i also don't want any of these people to win i, I hope they all yeah burn. my my <laughs> my boss believes that greg is the secret uh like mastermind and is going to win it all which you know, whatever <laughs> look bran won it in game of thrones spoiler alert uh so <laughs> i mean season one greg maybe season three greg is also, he's been corrupted, I feel like. He's gone too far. But what we do like about Greg is Gramps, his grandpa, who is played by, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, James Corwin? No, no, no. Oliver Cromwell. No, it's James, James Cromwell. James, James, James Cromwell. Cromwell. Yeah. Like, all, well, we got the, there. The farmer yeah. from Babe? Yes. And so so James Cromwell, uh, he's, he's Gramps. And literally, this is not a spoiler, really. Uh, in episode two, he goes to Greg, and at some point, Greg's getting all excited. And he's like, "That'll do." He tells Greg, "That'll do," <laughs> and so everyone is just like, "Oh my god!" Because you Greg know? is a little pig. Yeah, so so great, and 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 it was such a throwaway line because he didn't say that'll do, Greg. That would have been too much. It's just that'll do. Um, so it was a very yeah. nice, uh, very enjoyable show. Uh, I've actually I have screeners for it, but I haven't watched ahead. Um, I oh. like it being my Sunday viewing, but I probably actually should watch it. Give so me those play. screeners. I will watch them for you. <laughs> well, I need to I need to watch them so I can plan because goodness knows an episode is going to come up and like, I don't know, someone dies and I won't be prepared. So I need to watch ahead. Yeah. Um, I mean, what I love most about this show also is just like, it looks like a drama, but it's actually a comedy. Like it's yeah, pretty, it's, it's like, it's kind of hilarious how like trash these people are, the lines they do, the quips. And then, you know, Tom Wobscans, like um, Mackie McFadden's character is mm-hmm. also super hilarious. And like, to be mm-hmm. honest, I didn't know he was Darcy before this show. <laughs> <laughs> 
because I never watched the Kira Knightley. It's like, hilarious uh, to know that that's your introduction to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wonder if you can even watch the Pride and Prejudice now with, um, with Kira Knightley. You're just gonna be like, "That's Tom." Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna Which, watch him. Um, like, that's not Darcy. That's Tom from Succession. You can't fool me. The Handflix does nothing to me. Sorry. Yeah, it's I ruined. actually need to rewatch that. I haven't watched that since <laughs> it came out. Um. I believe I even covered it, so it's been a while. Um, yeah. Anyway, so that's me very much enjoying it. Um, Marvin, what's popping with you? All right, so um, I thought about doing another HBO Max thing, which was Dune, which came out oh. on streaming last week. But we I was talk like, about next you know week. what? I don't know if I can do three hours of Dune, especially since you know I'm, I'm with my partner who is not into that shit at all, oh. and I don't think she would forgive me if I put on this three-hour movie. So instead, we watched three hours of a murder mystery, um, <laughs> finishing up the last like six episodes of Only Murders in the Building, which is a Hulu show um, that we've talked about on this podcast before, um, which the season finale came out last week. And, you know, we finally solved the mystery of the murders in the building. Um, and uh, Han, you're, you're caught up, right? I am caught up. Jess, you are not, though. I, I am caught up. I binged it all it? last night. Uh, it yes. was a great ride. I Not only did I watch all the screeners in one sitting, um, but <laughs> I wrote about uh, the, let's see, I wrote about certain things in the the uh, Easter egg in the finale before it aired, uh, but I did not publish that part. And then um, until it aired, and then um, I also edited the story with the <laughs> with the, about the finale that where where uh, my writer talked to the co creator of it. So yeah. yes, I am all spoiled through. Yeah, so we don't want to spoil the the finale because the whole fun of a murder mystery is like who did it. It's really um, fun, but I do want to say like two things. Number one is. I was a little let down by the last episode, like the whole solution to the murder mystery. I think it's just inherent in the genre of the murder mystery where it's like the actual, like once you find out how it happens, more often than not, it's a little like kind of disappointing. Yeah, it's always, it's very hard to stick the landing for personally. I, I didn't really care what the ending was because I really just liked the whole setup and the friendship and the yeah. humor. I really didn't care about the mystery at all. I was like, I, who cares? <laughs> yeah, the ride is amazing. And I'm, I gotta say, like, Steve Martin does some exquisite physical comedy in, in that last yeah. episode. Yes. Like, just- yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's classic Steve Martin right there. I um, died towards the end. We get the fan centric episode. Yes. <laughs> totally died at the like devoted. What do they call their friends? The Ed, Ed, Edroniacs? No, Arconi. Arconiacs? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then are you a Putna? Or a <laughs> or a savage something, yeah. Like and then they, they all have their like dedicated fandoms, um, and very great cameo or guest star from Jabuki White, mm-hmm. who is one of my favorite mm-hmm. Twitterers and stand-up comedians ever. Um, if you're not familiar, this is the man who got gets shadow banned every or banned because he does shit like change his Facebook profile picture and name to the fbi and say happy martin luther king's day just because we killed you doesn't mean we don't miss you <laughs> he there is a fan site there is a fan twitter account that just screen caps his tweets mm-hmm. because he like says such crazy shit it either gets mm-hmm. taken down or deleted half the time so big love seeing him in this way the little asian boy who's just like randomly like um mm-hmm. hanging out um just just love that little kind of meta humor. Yeah, that was a great episode. And then the seventh episode, the one that's like completely without dialogue, was I was really amazed that they were able to pull that off. Like Yeah. So it's uh just to give you a uh, sort of a feel for it, it's without verbal dialogue. We um one of the characters is uh deaf, and so there is plenty of sign. Um, however, what's interesting is even when he's not on the screen, they had the other characters um have their own silent episodes so like let's say steve martin goes on a date and so the whole date is silent and one of the funniest things is they have a sexy like scrabble game where they're like getting very big into double entendres but with the words just scrabble with. yeah yeah and but it was a clever way of like conveying their like growing like sexual attraction but without like you know actually talking it was it was just such a like yeah. cleverly done you know episode and show 
Yeah. I did find it hard to believe that Oliver Putnam would stay silent during the whole sneaking around scene because that is yeah. not to his character. They, they, oh, the they Martin ha- Short. Yeah. yeah, the Martin Short one. Yeah, they definitely had to write in why he had to stay quiet. So at least that <laughs> helped. He wasn't just quiet in general. Yeah. Like, yeah, but they yeah. had to write in why. So Yeah, fine. but, you know, like Hans said, the ride of the show was really well done. They had a lot of big swings and they, for the most part, they connected. Like a lot of the episodes are a lot of fun. The chemistry between the characters and not just the characters, but all the side characters too are, are, are a lot of mm-hmm. fun, um, you know. <laughs> It's um, Selena York. Gomez, yeah. you know, she does not do much when you have, you know, Steve Martin and Martin Short to play against, right? But she has her own dry sense of humor, which I really like because I think you need that with these two characters. Um, like, if they're big, then she needs to be kind of like level she and dry. She needs to be the straight <laughs> man, yeah. Yeah, and she kind of works it because like in some ways it's very similar to her <laughs> Wizards of Waverly Place character. <laughs> Which I I and, have and to laugh. She that. she's actually really the her character Mabel's really the emotional core of the show. Yeah, she's yeah. the heart. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So and they apparently like she and Steve Martin and Martin Short actually do have that kind of chemistry. Like I saw them in an interview um, for press tour, and it was just like, and and I think you can tell that the affection they have for each other, even if they're making fun of each other for you know their age difference is always done with affection and you can tell because the jokes just land so much better and they're not condescending um and i think the other thing is i like is when we talk about how very controlled and how everything lands like everything is um i think i mentioned this i wrote a story about all the easter eggs so there's an easter egg in every opening sequence that they changed it for episode to episode so they like the amount of attention they had for this was like huge. And then that also means that if you want to, you should watch it all over again, having seen the end, because there (laughs) are definitely things you will pick up on differently. Um, And so normally Mm. I wouldn't say do that, but since it's a short series and it's comedy and like every episode is like half an hour or less. Yeah. um, Yeah. It's actually very fun. Cause when I was like going through just to, you know, pick out some quotes to use, I was like, wait, Watching Mabel do this is totally different, <laughs> knowing what I know now. So yeah, it's a, a a great watch and also a great rewatch. Yeah, you can catch the whole series now on Hulu. Um, and yeah, definitely recommend it. It does end on a pretty like rude cliffhanger. Um, but I think season two has already been confirmed, right? Yes, season yes. two. So it's I was actually totally fine with it. <laughs> All right. Well, that's what's popping for this week. When we come back, we're going over the latest Asian American entertainment news with our monthly news segment, Do We Want This? Uh, So stick around. Hi, I'm Quincy Cho. And I'm Kaycon Apu. And we host Marvel Makeup. It's a podcast where I teach Quincy a little about Marvel. And I teach Kay a little bit about makeup. Join us as we watch and talk about every movie and TV show in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which I'm mostly watching for the first time. And join us as we apply makeup stuff to our faces, which I'm using for the first time. Marvel Makeup is part of the Potluck Podcast Collective, and you can find new episodes every other Monday wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can catch video versions of Marvel and Makeup on our YouTube channel. So please rate, review, and subscribe. And please give us five stars so our Asian moms will understand why we buy so much electronic equipment. Because it's for this podcast, Marvel and Makeup. All right, welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. It's the end of October, um, which means it's time for us to go over some of the latest Asian American entertainment news and ask ourselves if we want this. Um, so yeah, let's go around. Um, we, each of us has brought two new stories that we want to talk about. And let's start with Jess. What's our first story? Our first story is a update from the Adele Lim comedy from Lionscape. Adele Lim is most notably the auth- the co-writer of Crazy Rich Asians, uh, as well as Raya and the Last Dragon. So if you don't know, she is basically directing and co-wrote a new film about like basically girls trip, but a bunch of like Asian American women. Um, And, you know, you can have a girls trip without some hot, hottie, hot boys Mm -hmm. to uh, get in the way and cause some mess. I think that's my theme of this this show. (laughs) 
and it's just been announced that those boys have been cast. Um, and it is friends of ours, Desmond Chiam, Alexander Hodge, Asian Bay from Insecure, and Chris Pang will play the three, uh, basically play opposite a very attractive cast comprised of Ashley Park, Sherry Cola, Stephanie Sue, and Sabrina Wu. Is this the hottest gathering of <laughs> Asians we've had since? Cra- I mean, let's be mm, so crazy rich Asians. We have some hot people, like mm. really hot people, but we also got some like you also need some funny people in there, right? Mm. Like you had a- average these are just, people. <laughs> yeah, you gotta have some average people to make the hotter people hot. Um, I think Jen- Gemma Chan definitely posed that average real high, but like <laughs> collectively, like everyone in this cast is really hot. Um, these in, three guys, like it's ridiculous. They are they I like they like it's weird because we I you know they're we're friends with them, we're friendly with them, and they're just very lovely, normal, nice dudes. Mm-hmm. They're very nice, but also like recognizing they're also extremely hot and tall. Um, and talented it's yeah. like oh yeah yeah that's i'm i'm also just proud of like some of these asian men bringing the long hair back <laughs> you know oh, i mean the floppy lo- i mean desmond looks great with long mm-hmm. hair he should i've seen him like pictures of short hair and it's so weird <laughs> um but i also have a very uh deep connection with this specific casting mm. in my own life they parallel something that happened in my own life so so if you don't know desmond alex and Chris are all Asian Aussies. So they're mm-hmm. all from Australians. They all have great accents. Mm-hmm. And I think they're going to let them keep that. <gasps> Their characters will be Australian. Um, it's wow. really funny. Or or like some other, like, you know, diaspora Asians. Mm-hmm. But um, I, in my... So the whole premise of this movie is like these girls are getting debaucherous um, and kind of wild and out. And in my wild and out year, I also ran into a group of Aussie mm-hmm. Asians who fucked me up. They were not a fraction of as hot as mm-hmm. these three guys, but the accent. Yeah. The accent gives them this magical power when you're dumb and like desperate <laughs> and thirsty. And I was just like, wow, this is like all coming back. Like I'm very excited for this movie. So yeah, I think I want this. Do you want this? Do we want this? <laughs> I so want this. And I do have to say regarding accents, you know, that's why you you have a youth. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> to make dumb mistakes, like let right. a dumbass guy, but he had an accent. So for some reason you believed every lie that came out of his mouth. Right. As far as just being charmed by accents. Yes, like, yes. look, you know, we, we grew up sort of Anglophile as far as like some of our viewing material. So I get it. Um, but it's that's exactly what youth is for. You know, you, you do those mistakes and you learn from. <laughs> so, uh, yes, I totally want this. Man, should have grown up in Australia. Could have had a <laughs> sexy accent. Yeah, because uh, because <laughs> you be, there's like no way for people like us. Maybe if you're a very talented actor and round voice work, you cannot fake an Australian accent. It's no. really hard. It, it it sounds so bad. Like when if we do it, like, uh. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> you'll end up sounding like um Vanessa Hudgens on Princess Switch. <laughs> How dare I've only you. seen the trailers. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Han. What's our next story? All right, so this is going to be about people who are not hot because they're way too young. Um, <laughs> Thank you for that disclaimer. <laughs> but we can still root for them to be in love. So it is the uh, the official announcement that we all kind of understood was going to happen just because of the end of the Two All the Boys movie franchise, how it ended, uh, is that the youngest daughter, Kitty, played by Anna Cathcart, is getting her own spinoff. Um it is going to be also written by Jenny Han, who had done the uh, the pilot, in fact, is going to be written by Je- Jenny Han, who had written the books on which the series is based. Um, and it is going to follow, kind of pick up where Kitty left off, which is, you know, she, you saw her like flirting with the Korean guy on the trip to Korea. Well, she is going to move halfway around the world because the long distance relationship is surprise difficult Uh, and see whether or not it works out and just how there are complications, et cetera, et cetera. And it's called XO Kitty. Uh, It is 10 episodes, half hour long uh, series. So uh, do we want this? Yes. (laughs) I mean, I'm I'm curious as to how they're going to set this up. Knowing Jenny and what her values are, I don't think 
the ultimate message is going to be move your ass halfway around the world for a boy. I mean, it's it's kind of like Felicity, but super extreme. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know if it worked out for Felicity, but um, and, and you know, especially because this is a much younger character. Uh, I hope that's not the message. I, I don't think that is the intention for the message. But you know how things can get lost in translation once you make something for the screen. So I'm wondering who the rest of the uh, the creative team is. But I do love the all the boys universe. I guess that the T A B I L B universe. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if we have the same team, then we at least we know that this um this film will have a lot of good vibes. Well, right? a lot of- mm, yes. I mean, I think I think well because I think when we've talked about the trilogy the original trilogy in the past i think we all kind of agree unanimously that the first movie is the best and then the second and third movies are somewhat of a letdown because of the way they the directors present the relationship yeah yeah some of the choices made about how to present the relationship and what it means to be in love through the lens of a young woman and like yeah, I mean, that's kind of how it followed in the books, too, which I always like the first book better. Um, the director also changed from movie to movie to the point where like the first director I thought was amazing because she yes. created moments for to that really captured um, Lana Condor's actual comedic ability that I feel mm-hmm. like was not captured in the second and third movies. Um, yes. because she is a goddamn like comedic star, and I was just like, "Holy fuck!" I know everyone's talking about uh Peter, what's his face, but I was just <laughs> like, he's, "Who's very cute and charming." But I was like, that movie would not have been as strong as it was if without yeah. her talents. Yeah. And she created a visual language that yeah. they tried to emulate, but not no. as successfully as the mm. first. Yeah, one. because I think they chose like the cinematographer or whatever to direct it and i was like look so that's why it looks pretty but you didn't get the tone right it's just like so many things to create something perfect and uh and so you know i still like those movies just oh well the second one's kind of a rough ride but i still enjoyed them just because yeah. it was part of the whole and it was a very popular series starring an asian american about be, you know who is asian american on the show so it was like there are many things to root for and the fact that they still did well and spawned a spinoff um makes me feel like just very good about the whole franchise in general so anyway. I take it you're a John Ambrose fan then? <laughs> I was. Oh, 100%. In the, especially in the book. Oh, my God. But yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was just like, you know, er, everyone could just keep, keep uh, Peter K- Kaminsky? Kaminsky. <laughs> Kaminsky. Yeah. He was actually very, they like to to have to drive the drama. They made him a very shitty boyfriend in two and three right. to the point where I was like, you should not get back together with this man. He is very unhealthy for well, you and you guys are toxic for each other. Well, the premise, <laughs> and I think this is the issue for me, is the premise when I first picked up the book, I was like, oh my gosh, she's going to have five guys she's going to date, right? Because, you know, she uh, had those letters that she wrote to him when she had crushes on him. But then it actually ends up like she really only dates one and he she sticks with him. And I was like, this should have been the process over the all three books instead of you get with someone then you have to keep breaking them up if you want them to yes. be you know yeah game so that's why i was like only some places know how to break people up in a way that is logical but makes me not hate them and yeah you're right peter just was not great like i, I wouldn't take him back so <laughs> anyway yeah i do want this because i think having more ya mm-hmm. asian focused media will ultimately be a net good uh we'll see how it goes because like i'm getting glimpses of like fish out of water story which i'm not usually the biggest fan of um but we'll see how it goes i mean it's definitely taking advantage of like the latest hallyu wave i guess that's sweeping the nation and i actually think this would be a really great opportunity to lean in and explore in depth and Mm -hmm. with nuance the biracial experience exactly I, I think that it will probably be one of the first things that will really kind of dig into it, especially for YA. And um, I feel like it as a series makes me feel better about it than in a movie because movies, you know, because of the short runtime means that they have to like really cram in like character work to the point where you have to like let a few things go. 
Whereas a series, you can build it like and so it might be more worth it and more believable um, to see someone transition over 10 episodes. So, yeah, I'm very yeah. excited. Also, Netflix and uh, YA, <laughs> you know, Asian American stuff uh, like Never Have I Ever has been great. So, yeah. Uh, what do you got, Marvin? <laughs> My story is Disney Plus has given a straight to series order for um, American born Chinese which is an adaptation of a 2006 graphic novel by Jean Luen Yang. Some might say one of the formative texts of like Asian American YA graphic novels in an era where like such stories were few and far between, especially in, in publishing. Destiny Daniel Crichton has been tapped to direct and it's going to be written and executive produced by Kelvin Yu and his brother Charles Yu, who, um, you know, Kelvin Yu is probably best known as the Asian friend from um, Master of None, uh, but it's also probably better known in like the comedy community as uh, one of the writers of Bob's Burgers. Yes. Yes. Oh, Which I show. love. It's adorable. I love it so much. I think it makes a lot of sense because mm-hmm. Bob's Burger, even though it's an adult-oriented like sitcom in animation, it is very, you know, four quadrant. I think a lot of kids like Bob's Burgers. A lot of like, younger folks like Bob's Burgers too. Yeah. Um, and I think that that is the tone you need to strike with such a really, like a very surprising, not maybe not surprisingly, like a very deep story of American-born Chinese, right? Like, yeah. I, I do wonder how, if, if Gene will be bringing the visual elements of that book yeah. to screen. Because I, I think that'd be cool. And his brother, Charles Yu, was a story editor on Westworld. And is also a well-known novelist. He wrote um, How to Survive in the Science Fictional Universe. And most recently, um, Interior Chinatown, which has won a ton of awards and is getting adapted in its own right. So very talented artist brothers. I hope, I very, hope right? I hope their parents are very proud of them. I don't know. Have they gotten their feature in like world news yet? I, I don't know. know. Um, and the series also executive produced by Melvin Marr and Jake Hasden. Um, who are, you know, part of the team behind Fresh Off the Boat, right? Yes. Yeah. So all the pieces seem to be lining up very well. Uh, yeah. I think Gene is also involved, and he is a brilliant writer, I think, personally. So very excited to see where this will go. Hope it makes it. Yeah. American Board Chinese is the story of, tells the story of Jin Wang, an average teenager juggling his high school social life with his immigrant home life. When he meets a new foreign student on the first day of the school year, even more worlds collide as Jin is unwittingly entangled in a battle of Chinese mythological gods. Um, the action comedy explores issues of identity, culture, and family. So, do we want this? Uh, yeah, it sounds really good to me, like the whole team. So, I'm very curious. Uh, <laughs> I feel like it's going to take a while, so, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, Jess alluded to this earlier, but... The um so the original text is like I said a very formative um like text in Asian American like storytelling but because it's a story about like identity struggles there are a lot of visuals that when adapted may or may not be problematic um Jess you've you've read the graphic yes. novel right yes yeah I think it's fine I think I know what you're talking about I think it's fine I think that's also why they need to keep it animated though mm-hmm. and more stylistic because then when you do those kind of crazy things I mean we're also this is this is like separated into two worlds right we're getting the monkey king story and we're getting the like uh, coming of age yeah. story so like you you you're gonna have to be very stylistic about it to begin with. So I think that is gonna lay a groundwork of when that twist happens, it won't be like too out of pocket. <laughs> but it, this has the potential to be a very like not only like cool series, but a very important series too. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. I think I hope it just doesn't get I feel like it does get lost in just the streaming volume. Also Disney Plus might it's probably gonna be more it seems down. it's gonna be more children leaning, right? Like young, young leaning, and I imagine like a YA target audience would probably be the yeah. the right target. Um, Disney doesn't <clears throat> really well Marvel. <laughs> I mean, that's Marvel, but like right. that's Marvel, and that's like Star Wars is its own thing. That is gonna have yeah. like cross reach, anyways. But uh, a property that I don't know if it has exactly, you know known ip outside of our community i don't know if it means as much to people outside even though i recognizing gene yang is a macarthur genius grant winner mm-hmm. and like 
um, you know, very beloved author. So we'll see. We'll yeah. see. It'll be interesting. And then Destiny Gary Credit is an interesting um choice for director. Yeah. I would have preferred a Chinese American because Yeah, can we say that? I'd like to Chinese director. Yeah. Look, like I'm happy for his success, but it is an interesting choice. Yeah. It is getting to the he is getting to a crazy rejections point. And I mean that when, you know, they only now know your name will for, only like- know your name and you get to do everything. I was like, there's still more people. As much as I love, you know, crazy rich Asian folks, it's like you can cast people outside of Gemma Chan or Constance Wu. We exist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then um, that just sets up a whole nother stereotype that I'm not ready to deal with. They're gonna be like, why don't you look like Gemma Chan? I'm like, bitch, no one looks like Gemma yeah. Chan. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, yeah, she's beautiful. Every, Leave me alone. Let me be mediocre. That said, every red carpet, I'm like, what is she wearing? Oh, she's like, how does she look? God, oh, too good. Um, I do wonder if this is the sneaky way Disney will acquire the IP rights to the Monkey King. Uh, I don't. Oh uh, no! I mean, that is that is that is public. Do- that that tale is hundreds, if not thousands, of years yeah. old, Marvin. That you you no no no. no. It, I mean, it won't like, but it's also been adapted in so many places that like, who owns it? I don't know. No. So yeah. yeah. Jess, what's our next story? Our next story is that Netflix has acquired The Henna Artist, starring Frida Pinto, uh, developed by Sri Rao. Am I saying his name right? Sure. Um, I I cannot weigh in on that. (laughs) Sorry, I should have done my... Whatever, I'm not getting paid for this podcast. Um, Sri Rao, and he will also develop and create the series. Um, It is... It's based off a... It's based off a book. Um... It's based off a book and it is a English language soapy drama and epic romance set against the lush and romantic backdrop of 1950s Jaipur, India, mm. where Frida Pinto's character is Jaipur's most in-demand henna artist who has access to the inner sanctums of the city's city's wealthiest women and privy to their most scandalous secrets. But, you know, other scandalous things happen. So do we want this? Yes. I have a big-ass girl crush on Frida Pinto. Mm -hmm. I feel like she should be in more things. This seems like a... It it seems very, um, you know, upstairs-downstairs, but within a specific context mm-hmm. and a specific time in, in a different culture. Um, it, it just seems, I already feel like the beauty from here, right? Which I perv is very famous for being having that pink palace. So, you know, the aesthetics will be beautiful. Um, Frida print, Frida Pinto will be beautiful. And I like a good, I like a good romance. I hope it gets a little steamy, <laughs> like a little horny. I don't know how horny, but. I, I, weirdly, I haven't read this yet, so I think I'm gonna have to read the book and then see how I feel about this. But sounds promising. Sounds. I mean, sounds I love, very promising. I love her. Yeah, I'm. I'm not very familiar with the source material and also like the setting mm-hmm. that this this some project is covering. But I mean, I like that. I I love that we're getting more diverse content, especially from from this is a, a net, you said Netflix, right? Yeah, it's Netflix. So hopefully they throw the Netflix money at it. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, I think it's going to be kind of a Trojan horse too of education because it is set against uh, new independence. I think we're going to learn a lot about, you know, not just cultural traditions like henna and like, because when would you get henna done, right? Like weddings um, that, that already, like you sold me on that. Um, and it's, it's you know hopefully we'll you know we'll just kind of see a new world that we probably have not seen in full depth through an american english language project i think that's what's interesting it is an english language project set with an, what seems to be an all indian south asian creative team which is awesome yeah because most of the time when you get south asian projects like this it's set through the lens of colonialism mm-hmm. and through a white savior yeah um, I'm not saying that's not gonna happen, but you know, Frida Pinto deserves like a hot South Asian <laughs> uh love interest. My selfish, I can't say Dev Patel because that'd be too awkward because they dated in real Nikesh life. Patel? Nikesh Patel. <laughs> like I there's so not? many hot South Asian dudes you can like she can like go through over the she, She's a little old for um what's his his name raymond 
Raymond the Black. Black. Is he she's so beautiful? Yeah. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> Priya Pindle does not look like she's aged a day since Slumdog Millionaire. Yeah, I don't okay? think he would mind either. So yeah. I don't think he would mind. There's yeah. so many attractive. Like there's there's a lot of attractive. Yeah, leading yeah. men who can go through a yeah. roster, and it's a I'm good signal excited. if this does well that we don't have to set period piece romances in Regency England. They can take place in other places, in other. There are other well. beautiful places <laughs> with historical context where scandy things have happened. Like let's let's see more of that. Exactly. Yeah. Um. And I'm gonna be real. Like some. I'm not. This might be blasphemous, but I actually think like the Bridgerton fashion does none of the women any good. It's so unfair because the men all look fantastic with their waistcoats and high-waisted pants and boots and coif's hair and stuff. And the freaking women have to like, like pinhead buns and like really unflattering. Like they're beautiful. They're beautiful. But I saw like that trailer during Mm -hmm. (laughs) Tadum that they released for Tadum with like Simone Ashley and she still looks good. But I was like, that is not your best look. Like you are much hotter in real life, but they put you in like the coif and the you know the I call it the uh, prostitute look because the high waist infantilizes you. It does not show off your natural curves as a woman. And that was the it point, just, of course. Which was the point. Well, you want to be like a sleek. Actually, that was very sexy because they were coming from like big ass poofy crinolines mm-hmm. to like sleek columns where you weren't wearing undergarments. So it was very sexy. But like you know, for our modern <laughs> eyes, some of it looks very. Like, the women are not coming out as good as the men are in these period pieces. So I was like, yes, I hope like, you know, the the all the beauty of like Indian textiles and architecture and food and language and music is also coming through in this project. So I'm excited. I'm yeah. all about it. I I'm <laughs> yeah. gonna read the it's book. It's about henna. Henna is fucking beautiful. Yeah. I don't I don't think I could ever sit like st- like sit still for uh, for as long as you need to do the, all the intricate henna um but it's it's beautiful i think there's just i think it would be foolish to not capitalize on the inherent visual beauty of this time period and <laughs> mm-hmm. this culture and yeah. frida pinto mm-hmm. <laughs> so Amazing. yes all right han what's what's your next story all right uh, very excited because the trailer came out for a highly anticipated movie that none of us knew the plot for. And so once and the plot made it even better. Yes, I am talking about The Princess Switch 3. Roman- oh, my God. <laughs> Romancing the star, whatever that means. Oh, my God. Um, so if you are not familiar, Marvin, uh, The Princess Switch uh, first movie stars Vanessa Hudgens and Vanessa Hudgens. Um, as basically sort of a prince and the pauper modern day version of uh, a princess and um, she's not a pauper but she's a baker and you know there's shenanigans and switching places and Vanessa Hudgens the European uh, puts on some sort of accent it's delightful (laughs) vaguely European it's vaguely European which is fine because her country is also vaguely European um (laughs) Totally ridiculous. Uh, very lovely. Uh, Princess Switch 2. There are three Vanessa Hudgenses. <laughs> Amazing. There's a cousin, uh, Fiona. She's blonde. She's also kind of a bitch. Um, she, she's kind of scheming. The last time we saw her, you know, she was kind of thrown in jail for fraud. So, lo and behold, when we get the trailer for season, uh, Princess Switch 3... All of a sudden, we find out there's like a precious relic stolen. And who do they need to get it? Yep. It's Fiona. Fiona. So even though we didn't get four Vanessa Hudgenses, we only got the same three, which is fine because even Vanessa Hudgens was like, yeah, that would be too much. Um, we still do get a minor heist. And that for me, I was like, I'm down. Plus, because we are now very much giving the third Vanessa Hudgens her story, it means she needs a love interest. And for that, we get Remy He, which is very happy with this casting. <laughs> So, yeah, all around, very excited. Uh, we are totally going to make Marvin watch this. I definitely want it. Um, I don't know. What do you, you uh, What do you guys think? I'm so excited. I like feel like someone has been secretly wiretapping all our conversations where we say everything should be a heist movie, and they finally fucking did it. <laughs> I feel very validated right now. Yeah, and, and it's also the trope of uh, using a criminal to help you 
get the thing. Like they're they're out on good behavior as long as you help. So uh, that's very much like um, what's it White Collar <laughs> and all these other films. Uh, so I like that. Uh, Marvin, since you haven't seen any of these, but you've only heard from us and seen some of the trailers, uh, do you want this? I can't say that I do, <laughs> but I accept that it exists. You're wrong, sir. <laughs> then you are wrong. Um, I mean, like I mentioned, I'm not, I have never been an avid watcher of like these Christmas slash like, you know, um, what even genre is this? It's like, yeah, it's, 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 this is a, a, a subgenre of even Christmas films, which is the romantic Christmas film that's also royal. <laughs> so, yeah, that is, yes. that is definitely a very specific I mean, subgenre. Yes. I've watched my fair share my, of my like favorite, Parent Trap say. twin movies. You know, I've watched Parent Trap, the Lindsay Lohan version. I've watched, you know, quite a few Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen movies growing up. Um, but yeah, no, I have, I'm out of practice with this type of film. So, I will. Um, set my um, prejudices aside and you know watch this as part of you know this podcast so i i, I will enter with an open mind um but it does look cheesy as fuck and i guess that's part of the charm that is right? it is why yeah. mm-hmm. that is what you want okay so it is confirmed that we want this and then marvin is begrudgingly allows it so. You know, I, I, I want it for you. I want this to be good for you. How about that? That works for me. That's This fine. brings joy. And also, you know, Vanessa Hudgens' representation matters, I guess. Not everything is going to work for people. Green Knight didn't, you know, like, <laughs> Jess and Green Knight was okay. Uh, so maybe this will be okay for you. Yeah. Um, all right. So anyway, um, what's our, is it our last one? Yeah, it's our last story. Um okay. Yeah, our last story is another trailer. So we've been following the de- development of the Cowboy Bebop live action series for the last few months. And now we're like a one month away from it actually coming out. Um, Netflix has relicensed the Cowboy Bebop anime in preparation for the new series, which I don't, I'm, I'm it's still yet to be seen if that was a good move for them or not, because now they have a direct comparison to the show that they're making. Um, but they have released a couple of live action trailers the last few weeks to promote the series, including a an official quote unquote official trailer today. Mm-hmm. And it shows you no know, John Chua Spike and then you know Faye and Jet in action. Um and we kind of see a lot of aesthetics from we we get we'll, um the trailer gives us a good sense of what the what the vibes are, what the what the aesthetics are. You know, the soundtrack is definitely still amazing. Um they're you know. Yoko Kano came back as the composer and she, I don't know if she has any new tracks. I'm sure she does, but all the, all your greatest hits are there. Um, they're really making use of that tank um, track. And yeah, you see John Cho in some action scenes and a lot of, I don't, I'm still from the looks of it. It looks like they are adapting directly from the anime series, which I still, I'm not sure is the move that I would have done, but yeah, I feel like, do. Uh, you're right like at some point whatever they chose the fans weren't gonna like you know there's gonna be fans who are gonna be nitpicky like oh why didn't why did you do new storylines when the perfectly good ones were right there you know so yeah Yeah. i'm i'm actually excited to rewatch the um animated series because it's been forever honestly yeah um yeah and i think i watched it when i was like a kid so i'm wondering as an adult coming back to it what that will be like yeah and you know if we're asking ourselves do we want this i mean i do want it because there is a chance it'll be good i mean i i want it but i'm not holding like i'm not holding this up as like this has to be amazing because like we said the original anime series is there and now it's accessible too and the choice to adapt directly from the animated series when the animated series is right there you're just begging for people to compare and i wonder if that ends up being a good move for them I mean, it it's just kind of like anything that's actually remade with the same similar story. Like, why do we have this? Because, frankly, like the new <laughs> new generation may or may not check out the original thing, even if it's right there. So I think similar to Cobra Kai, a lot of people just watch Cobra Kai and then the young generation were like, wait, there are movies? And then they went back and watched the movies. So movies. Yeah. Oh, man. So, oh. yeah. I, I, I feel like, unfortunately... IP works, you know, despite us 
always saying, why do you have to remake anything? Because it works. That's the problem. <laughs> so um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. I think um, storylines are not the same. Um, doesn't matter to me, but it just matters if they kind of land them. Yeah. Um, You've watched the trailers too, right? Like, what are your thoughts about them? I mean, I, I like the, them trying to have an actual feel, besides a look, clearly, but an actual feel and tone also. So that makes me, as I said, cautiously optimistic that it's not going to be some sort of like dead, you know, like by the numbers sort of copying. Um, it's going to hopefully inject something, give something to the fans. Uh, I in general like the look and that goes a long way with me. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, there are also master um, trailer cutters out there that I have to say sometimes will make things sound amazing and look amazing and is dull as shit. So um, not to say that this is, but just being aware that you can't always judge from a trailer. I'm very not precious about Cowboy Bebop. I remember really liking it in when I watched it that first <laughs> run on Adult Swim as a child or like a very young preteen that probably should not have been watching it. Um, and I remember even then I was thinking this is very cinematic. So I think the urge to turn it into a live action something is very understandable to me. I cannot deny the effectiveness of seeing like John Cho on screen, which really shouldn't work because Spike is 27 in the series. And there is a very big difference. Like, like I know we say Asian don't raisin, but there is something very different mm -hmm. about seeing a real, like the Ben Platt, um, Evan Hansen yeah. discussion discourse, right? Like, it's still very different when you see someone who bodily looks like a very young person who makes stupid, dumb decisions. Like a twenty, seeing a twenty-seven-year-old do that makes a lot more sense than seeing like a forty-five-year-old John Cho do that, right? You're kind of just looking like John Cho. Why are you doing this? You should know better. Yeah, he's in his. You're in your daddy phase now. You should yeah, lean into that. But it is, it is kind of undeniable. Like, and some of the choices I may think they made are pretty striking. Like, mm -hmm. um, you know, like. Uh, color color conscious casting mm -hmm. jet mm -hmm. is 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 like yeah that makes so much sense to me yep right yep um and you know having a real life corgi is delightfully yes. charming it's like it is undeniable and i am i am kind of i'm very open to it i think this was something that was always going to be a lose-lose battle for them there was always going to be a segment that was going to be like why did you remake this um and like, why are you remaking this shot for shot? Uh, that's dumb. But if you didn't, there would be the other half saying you should have just made this shot for shot, story for story beat, because it's such a perfect, well-regarded anime to begin with. So it's a lose-lose situation as soon as you step into that paradox of like, I'm going to make this a live action. So yeah. I'm just going to enjoy the ride. I, enjoy uh, the music. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Enjoy John Cho. The idea that we're getting this in like a few weeks is mm -hmm. still pretty wild because they've been trying to make this live action series slash film for the last like 20 years i want to say right like for the longest time i think yeah. keanu reese was attached at some point yeah, back yeah. when he would have been viable for it <laughs> it's I been mean, in the keanu works a while reeves yeah. is about the same age as john cho <laughs> to be honest they would play the same roles so that is like um but again it is undeniable that, you know, the, the heart started pounding and I got really excited when I saw him in that blue suit with that hair. Like, yeah. the hair is pretty awesome. I mean, in, in general, I'm not 100 percent opposed to reboots. I am always about like, you know, I was well surprised by the first season of Fargo. Um, I like the the new Anne with an E, which is, you know, Anna Green Gables. So, like, as long as they add something to it, like, yes, we've seen visually a lot of it is you know, hearkening back to the original. But if they add something else to it that it makes it work, then I end up being even a bigger fan. Like for me, it's like um, fan fiction. Like sometimes fan fiction is great. It continues the story. It adds something else. That's how I have to treat most adaptations, you know. As long as they get something about the original that is um, the central quality of it, I think is what's important. But you, they can go off a little bit for me. Yeah. I guess we'll see. We'll circle back on this conversation when we watch this series in, in earnest. But um, yeah, it's um, it's almost here. And we'll see if um, in the end, if we really <laughs> wanted this or not. <laughs> or <if we> were... <laughs> I want it just to check it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. And with that, that'll do it for this edition of Do We Want This? Um, 
Just Han, if people want to find out more of your thoughts, where can they go? My trash takes are on Twitter at Just You Tweets. And I am at Hanonymous. You can find me at Marvin Yeah, You can find our show at Good Pop Club. We are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian-hosted podcasts. You can check out our fellow Potluck members by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. Wishing everyone a very happy Halloween. Stay safe out there. Um, you know, I, don't, I can't tell you not to party, but if you do party, be smart about it. And yeah, we'll be back next week um, to start off, I guess, Turkey Month. Is that what we're calling it? Sure. Let's roll with it. <laughs> um, Fine with me. <laughs> where we'll be discussing the newest Asian-American Netflix rom-com, um, Love Hard, which which is, I guess, the Catfish movie starring Jimmy O. Yang and, and Darren Barnett. It's kind of a Cyrano de Bergerac, but with a few different twists. It's not the <laughs> typical one that you're thinking of. Yeah. But yeah, um, I'm excited. Yeah. So we'll see you next week. Thanks, everyone. Happy Halloween. Bye. Ooh, spooky. <laughs> Hi, I'm Marvin. And I'm Rira. We're the host of Books and Boba, a book club and podcast dedicated to books by Asian and Asian American authors. Every month we pick a book by an Asian author to read and discuss on the show. We read a wide variety of genres from contemporary to historical fiction, fantasy to memoirs, and crime thrillers to romance. Some of our past book club picks are Pachinko by Min Jin Lee, Sorcerer to the Crown by Zen Cho, and Devotion of Suspect X by Keigo Higashino. We also go over what's new in the Asian American literary world and chat with some talented Asian authors about their work. So whether you want to start reading for fun again or diversify your TBR list, we got your Asian literature cravings covered. For more info, check out our website at booksandboba.com. You can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you find your podcasts. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective.